Hi, welcome to the podcast, where we do it for the love of it. I'm Kevin. And I'm Charles. And this is a sports podcast watching for the best stories from across the global competitive landscape. Yeah, so here we go. We're going to start it off with the NFL, because we have a little bit of things to talk about here. Kind of broad, not really about stats, because we are still in the preseason. So, um, we're, talk- we're going to start it off here about a pretty serious injury that they thought was not as big. Is A.J. McCarron broken collarbone unfortunate situation the saving grace here is that he is neither the likely starter week one you gotta think that's Peterman or the future obviously that's Josh Allen if everything goes well for the Bills yeah now I mean the thing about it is uh it kind of puts him in a situation where if Peterman gets hurt you have to put Allen on the field. And we've not seen anything from Allen to suggest he's ready now to play NFL No, football. not at all. I mean, if if you know anything about football, or maybe you do, maybe you don't, is that he, he's playing against kind of guys who may or may not be even anywhere near football ever again. So, I mean, we're in a situation where he getting playing number one reps might end up starting to be something he has to do right away, uh, you know, playing ones, because he could possibly see field time. And that was not in their plan. They did not want him to see the field almost at all. Yeah, the, the Bills, because of their fractured, kind of weak quarterback situation, you don't want to, what I would say normally is, week three and four, let Allen play as much as possible. But... The, because Peterman is Peterman, you can't really say we're going to take two weeks of play out of you. Peterman yes. needs the reps as well, so yes. it's just not a great situation all around. No, not at all. It's not like Peterman's been in the league for seven years and you can let him sit. He's in his second year. Yeah. You know, so like he needs as much reps as possible, so he has to take those ones. If he was sitting behind Alex Smith, I'd say give mm. it all to Allen. But yeah, exactly. Like Alex Smith means to throw the ball three times. He's been in the league for eleven years. Like I mean, like. It's, it's going to be kind of a weird situation, and hopefully they make the right decision. But knowing the Bills... Yes. Yeah, they broke their playoff streak, but I don't... Maybe they might be starting another one. Yeah. So, uh... Let's move on. Let's stick with the rookie quarterbacks and talk about uh, Sam Darnold. A lot of hype around him. Yeah. But you have very strong feelings about Teddy Bridgewater. I think Teddy Bridgewater is showing to be way better than Sam Darnold is right now. I mean, that doesn't mean that Sam Darnold may not be the best quarterback in that division for years to come, as a lot of people believe. You less the believer on that. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, I think Teddy Bridgewater is almost the guy. Like, that's how well he's playing. He is, you know, making great decisions, throwing great balls. He shows that that knee looks to be healthy, um, I mean, if he, I mean, may not end up staying there, that's another conversation we'll have after this, but he looks great, and Sam Darnold looks young. Yes, rookie quarterbacks, unless, should rarely start, we see it every once in a while, but for the most part, it's better if they sit around, and if Teddy Bridgewater can indeed do what you're suggesting that he can. It would be foolish for the Jets to think about starting anybody else. A hundred percent. I mean, okay, so that slides to our next point, is that Denver, who is having a quarterback issue. Yes. They have Case Keenum, who's not 
blowing the doors off. Exactly. And uh, the guy that should be showing the show through, your draft pick of uh, yeah. three years ago. Paxton Lynch is clearly not going to be an NFL I think we can say with confidence he is not a starting NFL uh, I mean, there's a GoFundMe for buying out his contract and getting rid of him because they don't like him that much. I mean, he is showing that he is really not capable of playing in the NFL. No. Yeah, I think that's pretty clear. And so there's a rumor going around that they may make a move for the bridge himself. <laughs> so Teddy Bridgewater could end up being wearing that. So orange. from Denver's perspective, the way you're talking about Teddy Bridgewater, that seems like a great idea. You right. get a quarterback, they got a defense, they got pretty good team all around them. This is a team that can win if they have a quarterback. Yeah. But I have to ask, why would New York do this? Um, New York really likes, apparently, Sam Darnold, as ever for the fans would show through. Uh, you know, I don't, I think New York is smart enough to let him sit and maybe not make this move. But, uh, there's a big ability for them to give away Shane Ray, who is a very capable pass rusher and... But isn't necessarily well. needed when you think you got Chubb and Miller and the other talent. Exactly. And right? So why not give a piece that is very valuable away? Do you think it would be a player-for-player player trade? Because yeah. we see in NFL, player-for-draft-pick trades, the draft pick is never as high as you think it should be. Um, yeah, I like mean... You rarely see first-round picks get traded in the NFL. Oh, 100%. You, the, what you would want is... Um, you would want to make that move, and I think the reality of it is, is you might be able to bleed Denver. They are, they want that quarterback now. You know what I mean? If anyone has nerves of steel, it's John Elway. I'm not sure he's going to blink. I don't think so either, but I feel like you can maybe get Shane Ray and maybe a pick. Of something, because, I mean, it's a quarterback. A I mean, NFL GMs, they love their picks. 100%. If you're giving up an actual player, you're not going to get... It's going to be a fifth round or maybe a fourth rounder type thing. It's not going to be... I mean, but those picks are where you start to really make roster moves, and the Jets need basically anything they can get picks-wise as well. Yes, they so, need a lot more than just quarterbacks. Exactly. So if you can get rid of this guy who, you know, is not really your future, and you still do have Luke McCowan. Like, who can, Yes, you I, know. He's constantly forgotten. <laughs> he's I forgot about him for a little bit there. Right. He's a like, dependable backup to the stars. Yeah, so, I mean, he's your number one. You let him, you know, be the bell cow this year. You get rid of Bridgewater. You get Shane Ray and maybe a, a fourth. If you're really aggressively sitting on it, maybe <laughs> you get a third, and that would be a real big move. I still don't think it's going to happen, but you do lay out a fairly reasonable possibility. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we'll see what kind of comes with that. Also, in your same division, we'll slide over to Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes. He had quite a preseason game. Yeah. Um, 130-some yards. His yards per attempt, which I feel is the most important stat for... 100%. Especially young quarterbacks, when you look at how they're going to develop, it was over 11 yards per attempt. Yeah, 100%. He was showing off that arm. He looked to be a quarterback who can start. Yes. He definitely has that arm. Nobody's disputing that. But the only issue with Patrick Mahomes is people describe him as Brett Favre. And the thing about Brett Favre is, until you're as good as Brett Favre, Brett... 
a Brett Favre style player can be an absolute mess unless <laughs> you are that good. A hundred percent. Like you can't have a guy taking all these risks and slinging the ball into interceptions. Like sometimes it's better to have, you know, the latter end of Peyton Manning's career type of player. Like you're making those completions, keeping your defense off the field, especially when they're talented and capable of making plays. If they're rested, you have more of a chance of them making those plays. And I think their defense is capable enough. When you consider who he's taking over for, like Alex Smith is exactly that player you were talking about. 100%. That could be a huge swing. We don't really know. Is this going to be the Saint of the LA Rams of last year? Yeah. Or is it going to be a total mess and they go 5 and 11? Yeah, I mean, I feel like. I feel like it was risky to get rid of Alex Smith. I, I understand they wanted Mahomes to be the guy, and, you know, but I mean they they are they're confident in it, and I imagine that their talent assessment is very good. So maybe Mahomes. Andy Reid as a coach that's certainly helps. A hundred percent, and you know he's he's a fan of those big talented quarterbacks. So Mahomes is will be an exciting KC year. For sure. Let's uh, keep in the young quarterbacks category. Uh, Mason Rudolph uh, played a whole bunch against first stringers. Roethlisberger didn't take a snap. He looked pretty good. I mean, you're feeling good about him? I feel like, of course, he struggled. He's young. He's a rookie. He's not as hyper talented as, you know, these guys who are ahead of him. There's a reason why he went a little lower in the draft. Uh, But he really looked to be the part of a quarterback who could possibly relieve or maybe even one day be that role-playing quarterback. Like, you know, big, strong, throw some balls into some places that Build a team good. around him. You know, I don't, I'm not going to say build a team around him, but he could be a cog in that wheel. Like, you're going to build a team around your, you know, your talented so running backs. So if you threw him on, say, Denver with yes. their defense, he'd be looking pretty good. You exactly. throw him on, say, Seattle... Not so much. Exactly. Like, if he's on Seattle, Seattle falls apart. If he's on, you know, Denver, he's going to be a role-playing guy who all of a sudden, you know, Trent Dilfer ends up with a Super Bowl <laughs> ring and did nothing. You yeah. know, like, it's... it's that, that defense was... Spectacular. <laughs> There's nothing in the league. <laughs> that defense. But I get where you're coming at. Right? So, I mean, that should be the thing there. Okay. I think we're done with the young quarterbacks, um, but we should talk about Shaquem Griffin. Yes. We we forgot to mention. Let's. We made a mistake. We didn't mention his first preseason game. The but biggest he followed mistake. it up with a pretty good second preseason game. So why don't you give us your opinion on Shaquem Griffin? Griffin? Is an NFL player through and through. It doesn't matter that the man has one hand. He is an unbelievable football player. And he was spectacular, showing through with nine tackles, six solos, three assisted. Dude was all over the field in his first week one preseason game, and I'm super excited to watch this kid play for a long time. So I'm going to point out my worry with this kid. Yeah. Because if I ever ran an NFL team, we would be the biggest team in the league. I I love the I, – I just think – you can't teach size. You can't coach size. Yeah. And he is only six foot, even 230, 227 pounds. Yeah. 
He does run a four three five, but that is an incredibly small linebacker. You think he I can mean, overcome that? I feel like speed kills, and this dude is tenacious. Like when he shows through, he is getting off blocks. He is getting to the play. He is around the ball constantly. And guys like that, I think you have a little foot to tupu type career in you. You're gonna be that guy who shows, but you're three times, four times, five times the athlete of a little tupu. like be a pretty good, pretty good comparison for him. He had a good career, but it was a very short career. He wasn't an elite running, elite linebacker for him. hundred percent. But think about the athleticism we're talking about. We're talking about an athlete that is a first round talent athlete, Absolutely. but a little like small. That side, but at some point, like. Zone blocking schemes, the linemen are so quick, they're going to get to you. I can't imagine 6 feet 227, no matter how athletic, is doing much once a lineman gets his hands on you. I feel like what, what I feel like that's where the Tutupu conversation comes into. That He was literally that player who was small, shouldn't have been on an NFL field, but once again, we're giving him Adrian Peterson-like athleticism. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like We're giving him... Uh, we're giving Lofa Tatupu a four three five forty. You think he would have been in the league a little bit longer? He could be. <laughs> I'm, I'm skeptical, but I hope so. I feel <laughs> like maybe another one, two, three years with yeah. that speed. So I feel like this guy has the ability to one day be in a Pro Bowl and be a one-handed man at Pro Bowl. I'm I'm more than excited to see this guy play. All right. You mentioned Adrian Peterson. Bit of Adrian Peterson news. It's been reported he's meeting with the Redskins, potentially joining that uh, running back committee. Uh, great move, I feel like. He is a guy who cannot really carry a load anymore. He's, you know, beat up a little bit. He's older. He's still athletic as balls. He's still strong. He still can do everything a running back can do, but he cannot take that heavy, heavy, heavy amount of carries as much as he wants to. So I feel like if you have four running backs who are all capable, who can, you know what I mean? As long as they stay healthy, a couple, couple of ones they still have healthy. Yeah, if Rob Keller can stay athlete. healthy, he'll be a nice third down power runner. Chris Thompson will probably show through to be a third down back, really. And the ability to receive is there. So I feel like he'll end up being the number two to the number one of Adrian Peterson. And then so you Samaji, think Peterson has what it takes to, to I feel start like he, for this team. Oh, I feel like 100% he does, yes. I feel like he can be the number one guy, and then you use Chris Thompson. But I feel like it's more like a 1A, 1B situation. So I feel like you literally split their carries right down the middle. Bang. Right. I think I see Chris Thompson more as, like, I understand what you're saying. He's a third down, and he's definitely that style of back. Yeah. But I think... At just this age, this athletic ability, Chris Thompson's the better athlete. Yeah. And he, he can take, even though he is quite slight, Yeah, I think he can take more of a beating than Peterson can at this time. We saw him last year with New Orleans and Arizona. He didn't really produce anything. We didn't see a lot out of him. Very true. But that's why I feel like if you split it down the pipes, Adrian Peterson does have the ability to carry, you know what I mean, like 20 carries a game to you know, 15, or then him 15, and then Chris Thompson having, you know, 20 type of thing. Like, really split those carries up. And then, obviously, those few other carries to the other backs, whether it be P. Ryan, but really probably Rob Kelly and goal line type.
Yeah, I, I think they really like Rob Kelly. If he can just stay healthy, that's right. always the issue because he seems like they're just a good, dependable, strong back. Yeah. Kind of that you just you hit him with a lot, he wears down defenses, and maybe in the fourth quarter you start seeing those benefits. Exactly. But I, I just wonder about his health even more than Adrian Peterson's. Yes, like, like he is not showing that he can Yeah, around. at all. So I feel like maybe he ends up being like you you make sure that you utilize them correctly so that no one is getting wore down. And that makes the most sense, especially with Chris Thompson coming off of that gruesome leg injury. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay, um, I guess that does it for the NFL for now. We'll see that maybe back in the rapid-fire questions. Um, and we're going to slide over to... Once again, the newest sport. Busy week in esports this week. Yes. Uh, so I think we'll start with Fortnite. Yeah. It was week six of the summer skirmish. Yeah, and... Uh, um, so with the... Week five is definitely the most well-received week. Yes. Um, they did king the kingpin format with duos. And it was so well-received that uh, they went right back to it. Nice. They said, That's awesome. Because... This summer skirmish, in addition to kind of being the show-off, we're putting $8 million into this. We're serious about esports. Yes. This was really a testing ground for how they want to move forward. 100%. It was trying to find something that people really enjoy to watch and put it in a way that people can watch it, which is smart because I feel like, which is another conversation we're going to have as well, is that a lot of these leagues and stuff are having kind of trouble how to show you everything. So what they're doing is taking a big lump of money so that a bunch of eyes are on it and then really going yeah, at it. like this is so new. It's it's unlike, like you can change which NFL cameras you have in the arena, but these sports have been on TV for decades. It's right. completely new and nobody, we're all just kind of figuring out fans and producers all at the same time. 100%. So it's like you're really going to get kind of, they're really trying to test that water. So they're throwing things out there, throwing it out there twice. Do they still get the same amount of eyes? Was that kind of just, uh, you know, a fury of passion because it was cooler than everything else and it was just a flash in the pan. So they're really going to test out these waters before they 100% settle down for your next big thing where we maybe see. Absolutely. Uh, we had, uh, so we had week five, big success. Yeah. Uh, week six, they're going even bigger. They're, com they're um, partnering with Twitch rivals mm -hmm. to put on a two-week uh, Two-week big match. Uh, it's good. They're putting extra money into it. $2 million over these two weeks. Yeah. Just a lot of hype all, or, all around it. Um, so it was, as I mentioned, kingpin format. Same as last week, one point for eliminations. And then victory royales or seven-plus elimination matches get you extra bonus points. Yep. And this is literally just to have the most amount of points at the end of it. There's no cap on this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it is a two-week thing, so there is no kind of current champion. Yes. But I uh, just want to roll through a few of the round winners. Oh, another thing I should have mentioned right from the start. Uh, they've been throwing people through 10 games per day Okay. Uh, the previous weeks. They decided to split it up, see if they can get uh, maybe less performance, but better performance out of some of the elite people. Because that it does really wear on you when you're doing 10 games, bang, 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 one after another. So they divided it into a North American group and a European group. Yeah. Um, each doing five matches per day, just oh, to cool. kind of lessen it so that we get, as viewers, we get a bit better of a performance. 100%. You, I mean, it's tough to kind of keep your eyes locked on that screen and everything that's happening. It's high energy. It's, it's kind of a lot to get those crazy, crazy later end games because they're burnt right out. Yeah. 
So the duo of Amarcod and Aim Sons uh, won the first group. I believe that was the European group. Followed up by Nate Hill and Funkbomb at the top of the North American group. And then uh, earlier today, Gota, Gay TV, and Mikolo won the European route. Uh, European group, and we are still awaiting the results of the North American group. Okay, so, I mean, it'll be cool to kind of see how that kind of goes through and uh, see that kind of all settle up, and then we still have another week, right? Yeah, so this one, they are combining with Twitch rivals to kind of promote it a bit more, get it to as many eyeballs as possible, and as you were saying, how are we going to show this to the audience? Exactly, so it'll be cool to also have Twitch be involved in that, because they really do have the capital as well as, like, the kind of seeing how eyes watch everything. Like, they can really get those numbers so they can really see how you watch it. All right, let's move from Fortnite to Overwatch. We recently saw the end of the Overwatch League, but now we are in the Overwatch World Championship. Yeah, now this is kind of cool because it involves countries, which kind of threw me off because it came out of the blue to me, but I mean, I'm sure they've been talking about it for a while, but I mean, this is a cool kind of idea because all these players that you have kind of come out and then there's more players that you didn't even know about that are on these teams now. Yeah. And everybody loves cheering for their countries. I mean, you see this in you know, hockey and not really football, but hockey, baseball, baseball basketball. Well, you yeah. see everybody loves cheering for their countries. It gives you an extra reason to watch the sport, extra yeah. reason to see all-star teams. Exactly. To kind of see these teams kind of, you can see where the, the powerhouse uh, countries are and everything and where maybe these top players are coming out of. So it's really cool that way for sure. Um, yeah, so we're just in the round of 24 now. Uh, they're kind of, they're not, it's not all compacted together. Yeah. Um, there are four groups in the round of 24, six each, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so far we just have uh, the South Korean group. Yeah. On top, South Korea is leading that group by quite a bit, yeah. ahead of Finland and Russia. If you want to watch and you're not quite sure when they're happening, um, September 7th, 13th, and 21st will be the next three groups. Okay, okay. So that's going to be in the United States, Thailand, and France? Yes. There we go. So, I mean, we're going to see, uh, you know, your United Kingdoms, your... You know, I, all your really cool things there, uh, the United States, China, you know, Thailand, Spain, all these cool teams of players that maybe you didn't know were there or... Yeah, you know for the I most mean? part, they have the teams. Oh, they, of course. It's kind of Already a regional setup so yeah. that as we move towards the, the championship. I mean, right now you can find these rosters, but maybe these are guys you haven't heard about, so... Maybe Especially, you, yeah, like, you're going to have heard of the South Korean teams. The, those oh, guys, I mean, that's an all-star team. Yeah. But some of, say, the Polish team. Exactly. Like, who You're going to learn that names that you probably haven't heard before. Exactly. So, you know, check it out. You know, check out some of these rosters. There's some cool guys. Maybe it's a guy who streams that you didn't know. Like, it made that move. So, check that out. Maybe you find someone else you could watch after it all comes down to the end of it. So, make sure you check that out. It's super cool. Um, yeah, so that will do that one for the Overwatch, and we'll slide over to... Uh, there's another World Championship going on, the Call of Duty World Championship. Exactly. Currently. 
So, I mean, that's this is a cool thing for all you guys here. I mean, I'm sure you guys have put in some hours playing this game. I mean, <laughs> everyone who says, like, oh, I'm not a hardcore gamer, has put hundreds of hours into Call of Duty. Even you, and you don't yes, play video yeah, games Yeah, I don't really much. consider myself much of a video <laughs> gamer, but of course I've played hours and hours of Call of Duty. Everybody has. Exactly. So, this is a really cool thing. I mean, it is maybe not the most popular Call of Duty version of it, and we don't know... Uh, exactly how it ended right now but it is happening as we speak yes yeah, so the fortunes didn't favor on us they do a double elimination bracket once you get through the through the round so what this happens is everybody basically gets a chance to lose once yeah and then you go into the loser's bracket and you get on and if you win through the winner's bracket and then win the final you win outright now if you win through the loser's bracket and win the final you then have to compete in a grudge match yes. against the team you just beat, and that's what we had happen. Evil Geniuses beat Team Caliber near the end of the main bracket. Yeah, and they've played each other once before this that knocked them down into the loser's yes. bracket, and then they made it through the loser's yeah, bracket. They refaced each other, they made it all the way back through the loser's bracket. Yeah. And this time they won, yeah, so yeah. we currently have a grudge match going on. Yeah, real best of three, man. This is this is all, all for it. I mean, you can't make excuses now. So it'll be cool to see, to see how that ends. I mean, if you guys missed it, I'm sure there'll be lots of highlights of this. So, Absolutely. The, the, it's part of the benefit of esports is literally everything is captured because it's all <laughs> happening through screens. 100%. So you can watch tons of stuff. So make sure you guys check that out. It's a pretty cool thing. Maybe one day you'll be in it, you know? <laughs> yes, that's that's always the huge appeal of these games. Right. Is every single time you go to these websites, there's always an option for, how can you get involved in this? Because unlike basketball, where you see giants. Oh, yeah. Like, you you're feel, never going to be LeBron James. You're never going to no be seven feet tall, but you can play video games, and yeah. you can play them at all. Yeah, I mean, you may not be good at this game, but there are a lot of games out there and you may be good at that one game, and that's all it takes to make your way onto it. So, you know, keep striving, working hard, you might find your way onto it. And now we're moving on to the beautiful League of Legends. Uh, for you statistician nerds, you're really going to love this one. <laughs> if you can't get enough stats, this is my suggestion for the, the eSport in particular to get involved in. It's crazy how much there are. But... Uh, we had uh, that game we were talking about before between Team Optics and TSM. Yeah, we mentioned this last week. Optic Gaming and TSM were tied for 6th and 7th in a battle for the final playoff spot, and they did play each other, and TSM won that game. So that means that, op that Optic Gaming is out, right? You would think so, because Optic Gaming's very next game was against 100 Thieves, and... They, were, they weren't going to win that. 100%. But Optic Gaming turned it around, managed to defeat 100 Thieves in the very first game of the last last round of the year. So that means So we are still hopes. up in the air. <laughs> are up in the air, exactly. So, I mean, what does it fall on kind of now to make sure that they could possibly be in it? So what we've got now, Echo Fox just won their last game. It was possible but unlikely that they could have dropped both games this week yeah. to fall behind but they did win their game so that's not the situation we're looking at now yeah um so we have optic gaming at nine and nine their season is done and we still have tsm they're the old, there's one game left in the season it's tsm who needs to win to get in yeah but the problem is they are playing team liquid 
and one of the best is... teams around, and they are they were near the top of the spring split, and they are at the top of the summer split. Exactly. So I mean, we have to imagine right now that Team Liquid is going to do what they do best and walk this one. But I mean, hey, we said the hundred thieves <laughs> was going to. Yeah, do that. we've seen the surprises before, but. So, uh... It's going right down to the wire. TSM Optic Gaming, they've been going back and forth. But it's not looking great at the moment for TSM. 100%. So, I mean, you guys check that one out. I mean, it should be... It, will it be done tonight? Or? Yes. Yeah, it'll be done be, by the time we've exactly. uh, so, dropped this podcast. So make sure you check this out because this is pretty cool. I mean, especially if you're a fan of League of Legends. Once again, I'm trash at it. And I got reamed out so much that I just cry every time I get PTSD. So, I mean, <laughs> check it out. It's a really cool game, and it's well worth uh, the watch once again. So, um, well, that will be sliding into our next cool little thing. Yeah, so you want to talk about the, the status of esports, kind of the state of esports as yes. we see it. Um, I think because I want to talk about this because I was watching uh, the World Championships of Call of Duty. I watched them, you know, maybe half an hour. I didn't have much time. I was at work. Uh, but I saw kind of something that I feel like is an issue that we talked about a little bit about Fortnite is figuring out is that a lot of these things are having trouble showing you the game in a way that you can kind of comprehend. If you were to just drop into it, you wouldn't know what's happening. You know what I mean? Like, you go to the NFL, you flip to the channel, there's, here's your thing, points for, points against, you know what I mean? Like, here's this team, here's that team, this guy's trying to score, this guy's stopping them. Yeah, it's really clear, just lay it, laid out right in front of you. Yeah. And because there isn't, or at least often there isn't some sort of overhead view that you can simply acquire yeah, to watch. Like, so we have a map that shows everyone on it. We have a screw, we go to the screen in this situation where you see a player, but you can see silhouettes of every player through it, right? So if they flip around a camera and they're looking one direction, even if a guy is 17 walls away, you can see him, but the player can't. That wasn't the clearest said because even in the chat, the guy's like, well, why would you play this if you can see everyone? And it's like, well, obviously they can't <laughs> see everyone. That does seem like you but, should have guessed that. Well, but when you see these guys play, they're so talented, they're so good, with running the way they should, you know, using their angles, using walls. It almost seems like they can see around corners because they kind of peek and move around and check and then they see yeah, shots. You can't, just then, like every other sport, you can't expect amateurs to be able to watch the game and see the game as well as the professionals. Exactly. So you can't display it from a professional's point of view. Exactly. That's a better way to go about it. So it, it shows that, like, kind of there should be kind of a better way to understand what we're seeing and why we're seeing, of course, you have your shoutcaster giving you information constantly, but like if you get caught up and you just jump in, you're like, what am I doing? And you kind of, it's, there's so much going on that they can't just be like, oh, also they can't see everyone. You should know that, right? So, I mean, you're figuring this stuff out as you go and it, it's kind of a lot. So I feel like what's happening with Fortnite is the right way to handle it. Where you throw you, a big bunch of money in and say, we're going to work this through. We're going to find a way. Yeah, to... with you here watching something that matters, right? There's money on the line. You're going to see something happen. But now they're going to iron out a whole bunch of kinks with it. You know, we've seen a whole bunch of different game types. And then, hey, this one really caught fire. Why don't we just focus on this? And maybe this could be the thing. Maybe it doesn't end up being a thing. 
but they can kind of really put together something that goes cool. Yeah, no, this will always be our competitive method for duos. And it's not just the broadcast either. No. Like we obviously all love watching sports as well, but if anyone's out there like me, I spent my childhood, the first thing I did every day when I woke up was I grabbed the newspaper, flipped it to the stat column, and just absorbed thousands of stats <laughs> and standings and game score, box scores. And um, that is, there, there is a large gap between certain places, but I think that's a place where they've all kind of fallen behind a little bit. 100%. Especially, like, for the Call of Duty World Championships is a perfect example. They're using the double elimination bracket that I kind of ripped through the explanation. You can't seem to find that bracket anywhere on their website. Yeah, it was literally just all the scores kind of in a row, and then you're like, And I had to find, I had to download (laughs) another bracket and kind of match it up to to see what what the hell was going on, because... (laughs) They didn't explain it clearly. Exactly. So, I mean, like, these little things are kind of just being missed because, number one, there's a lot of money in esports right now because everyone's kind of like, it's the next big thing. So there's a bunch of different tournaments trying to make their name for themselves. But, like, there needs to be something that kind of standardizes a bunch of these things so that you don't you want can... to there's fans coming in from all over the place but yeah. you never know how or what what gate they're going to walk through and exactly. right now i think a lot of the games are missing missing people from certain gates exactly like if you can have like if you can just show the bracket show some numbers and you know what i mean and be that you want to be able to see like if you're tuning into a game you mm-hmm. want to be able to quickly go on a website and see what what's the standings, what's the bracket. Everybody, lo- we all love March Madness 100%. because we get to watch the bracket and we get to see the upsets. And, and, and even if it's just the numbers and we missed everything, we can see kind of it snake its yeah. way through. A huge portion of March Madness didn't watch a single basketball game. They literally just watched the, the bracket the fall apart. Boop, 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 boop. Oh, hey, I'm still, I'm still going. Mine busted. So in addition to the broadcast, you got to get your website and just the information, the stats available to you because that's a great way to suck in fans a hundred percent and i mean it's tough i understand because especially with call of duty you have different game types and they do run through different game types to be like is this really the best team you're going to play a match like this you're going to play a match like this you're going to play a match like that right and it it doesn't really voice that either when you saw it i because i was watching it so i know it changed game types did you know that they started with search and destroy (laughs) they switched to capture the flag and i'm like I could guess because I did watch a lot of the Overwatch League and it seemed to be in a similar format. Exactly. But there was absolutely, like I said on the website, there was absolutely no indication of how it went down and what that middle one was. So it's like there really needs to be more information right up front in your face and they need to find a way to do that. And hopefully they do because I believe this is a big deal. We are incredibly young. It can't be overstated just how in the landscape of sports and broadcasting, just how young these sports are. Exactly. Alright, so let's move on from the newest sport to possibly the oldest sport in our radar, uh, to the baseball season. We haven't talked a lot about baseball uh, in the last couple weeks, but we are running into the home stretch. Only between about 35 and 40 games for most teams. Yeah, so I mean, it's, I mean, baseball, kind of not my strong suit. I mean, I enjoy watching it whilst there on TV. I kind of... Fade in and out, so I kind of like those like quick recaps where they kind of show those quick bang, bang, bang. Oh, that, that inning's done. Bang, bang, bang. You know, see a cool athletic play. It's 
kind of where I get most of my baseball. So this one's going to be your strong suit. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many games that unless you're a crazy dedicated fan, you just can't watch them. Especially someone like me, I watch a whole bunch of sports. You, to be a, a hardcore baseball fan, you really can only be a baseball fan. Right. Um, but the reason I want... Above the fact that it is getting to the playoffs, the main reason why I wanted to talk about baseball this week is I one game I did watch is I sat down and watched the Nationals and the Cubs. Yes. The Nats got up to a 3-0 lead, bottom of the ninth, still up 3-0, and the Cubs load the bases and grand, walk off grand slam home run. And I think that's just beautifully symbolic of what the Nats season has become. Yeah, I guess they're kind of... The team that should be maybe it's the so, second best team in the league, if yeah, not the best. Yeah, there were best. plenty of people that predicted the Nats to win this year. Yeah, and it seems like we're starting to see them fizzle out. Yeah, at this point, they're seven games behind. I don't, I don't like they're in it kind of mathematically, but yes. I don't really think there's any chance they're going to get it. I mean, if it's not the time to be cold, but you no. know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, like, baseball is such a such a swing sport, you got to be hot at the right time. 100%. They're obviously talented enough to do what needs to be done to be in it. Yeah, you so, got Harper and Murphy and Soto, and of course you got Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg. Yeah, so I mean, like, if you're going to see, if you're going to be a betting man, you wouldn't bet on the Nationals to be in the playoffs. No, I think, even if there was a chance a week ago, yeah. they, they managed to follow up with that perfect walk-off with another walk-off the very next day. Yeah. There's, like I said, there's seven games back of the division, six games back of the last wild-card position. Mathematically, that's that's back. It's not great, Maybe, but it's yeah. not insurmountable. Yeah. But I... You just think There's no bad. reason to expect that they're going to be able to... To have the run that's necessary. That's yeah, it's almost you feel like they're so cold that it's just going to... Yeah, it's only the talent that makes you think. Yeah, 100%. Maybe. Like, you should. You should believe that these players can get the job yeah, done. You look but, at that rotation, you look... But there, there is a... There is... There are hot and cold peaks for teams. I mean, obviously, you can see it statistically. But, I mean, like, really, you can see these players kind of visibly distraught because they were dominant. It's tough for an athlete to see themselves as a team that should be to beat, to see themselves now struggling a bit, and then all of a sudden you get the little bit of the yips. Yeah, like, I don't think there's a better example of that than the Dodgers last year. They yeah. went on that crazy winning streak that, I did it break the record? Or at least it got oh, it close, close to breaking close. the all-time record. Close, yes. And then through kind of August, September, they went like, 14 and 31 or some absolutely terrible record right so there are the but they they got back to the world series so they recovered they had such a big lead because of their winning streak they yes. got to the playoffs and they were able to recover so that is that ebb and flow is part of baseball 100 percent. like you're going and i feel like it's almost ebb and flow in every sport like when you get those dominant teams and that confidence is there it affects other teams too so like they're not playing their best because they're like this is a team to beat. Like we got to be at our best. We have to, and that gets in their head a little bit. And eventually, it's a team that should lose that gets the win because they relax a little bit. These guys are headstrong and don't have much to lose, and they end up knocking that team out. So like it's it's tough to then take that psychological blow. And if you don't have kind of like 
that right coach, like the great coach. Yeah. You know, that's when you see it start to spiral. And then they're like, you you need to do more. You need to do more. You know what I mean? Like, and then all of a sudden they're doing things that they don't normally do. Especially in baseball because there there aren't any days off. You're playing every single day. Yeah. If that happens in in the NHL or the NBA, maybe you get a two-day break and the coach either maybe works you to death one of those days or says, you know, just go home, relax, take a breather, and something breaks up that routine. But in baseball, basically from day one, you're going and you're not stopping. There's nothing. If you do get in one of those slumps where just something isn't clicking, it, 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 that's what I mean. That's why they talk about the yips because it, it you can't. There's no time to be like take a breath, come back at it. You know what I mean? You season get, keeps coming at you. hundred percent. And then what happens is they sit you, and then psychologically that's way different, right? Than than like oh you're injured, take you know a ten game, you know what I mean? Like sabbatical. Yeah, and I think healthy. we are seeing that more and more, like. The ten day DL list is yeah. you being used for smaller injuries that exactly. could be played through, but it's kind of like you got to take your you take that time. But so the difference is, is when you're healthy and everything's falling apart, and you get put on the bench to figure it out. That's when you see athletes do this spiral. Yeah, you get in your own head. One hundred percent. So that like this team is collectively spiraling to the ground, and I I would agree that I don't know if they're gonna make it. I don't if if they do. Good on them, and it'll be on the talent. It'll be quite a story, yeah. Yeah, it'll be on their talent, and kind of sometimes that can overcome you not doing well, right? Like, I mean, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna not hit every ball, but if you can bang one on the park, you can kind of get that energy back. It's kind of like yeah, that. and if you can get on a run, maybe it can get turned around. But I just don't see it out of this team. Yes, I, I would agree, especially so close to the playoffs. Like, there's so much pressure, there's so much building up that it now it kind of if you, they would have done it night and then the night after that then maybe they could have like if one of those two was a win they could you know kind of give it a wash and keep going and be like at least we're getting closer to what we want to do instead of falling behind you know what i mean (laughs) oh there's that stress yeah it does really wear on you another team going through a collapse the defending championship houston astros were at one point they were at the top of the league they were up there with the yanks and the Sox. Everybody thought they're just going to walk. They are now tied with the Oakland A's for the division lead. Well, yeah, which is crazy. I mean, I, to be honest, I mean, of the amount of baseball that I watch, I mean, I, I thought to myself, man, Oakland would really be a great playoff team. Yeah. Never. No, I never no, thought no, that. <laughs> so, like, why would I do that? You know what I mean? Like, they're just a mediocre team. The salary so, like, is $68 million. I think that's the smallest in the league. If not, it's very close. close. Yeah. Like, I just, I can't, it's crazy to even think that they could be the team to be there, not that other team, you know what I mean? Like, so, I mean, I think Houston's in a way better place than uh, the Nationals, Yeah, but Houston does strike me more as kind of the Dodgers of last year, yes. where they are going through this negative swing, but there's enough, because they're still, they, they're not seven games back like the Nationals are, yes. they're tied for the lead, I think they can kind of regain it. Yes. And... They are tied right now. My guess would be Houston wins the division and Oakland gets in the wild card. Yes, that seems to. I feel like that will end up being the case there. I would agree with you 100%. Uh, just a couple other playoff races um, Arizona, Colorado, LA, Dodgers. They're right close. Yeah. Any which, feelings who's going who's gonna to pull ahead of that? I'm going to say Arizona stays atop. 
think they have. I feel like guys to... I, I feel like they got the the guns to do it. I mean, I feel like they're kind of doing well too right now. Like not the not like they're winning everything, but they just feel like they got everything kind of clicking well. And I feel like they can keep that to keep a stride and keep the top. I think the Rockies are going to take it over. And I think this for completely irrational reasons. Mm-hmm. But you might remember a few, maybe seven, eight years ago now, the Colorado Rockies went 22-1 and one to finish the season to go from impossibly far back to get oh, into the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. And for some reason, that that season is stuck in my head so bad <laughs> that I always assume the Rockies are just going to tear it up in September. Yeah, That's just what the Rockies do. Of course they're going to tear it up in September. Right. So they're close enough that they're going to... Uh, the rational thought is always there yeah. in your head. Gotcha. I don't have any logical reason to suggest that, but that's what I'm going to stick with. Yeah, we'll uh, see. Boston, obviously, the best team in the league. No real threat there. Cleveland's got it by a mile. Yeah. Uh, if Washington doesn't make it, who do you see out of Atlanta and Philadelphia being able to pull through? I like Philly. I really do like Philly. The young superstars at Atlanta, you think they're going to fade down the stretch a little bit? I, I mean... I just feel like Philly's got that that hot sauce right now, and I feel like they can talk about a team nobody expected to win at the start of the season, right? And you know what I mean, like, and that upswing can just keep going. You know what I mean, like it's the right time to be in it. So I feel like they're the, they, I feel like they're going to be the ones to take it. I think there's a lot of logic to that. Acuna, like these guys are so young. Yes, they've ne- they've never played 162 games. I think it makes a lot of sense that they will fade. As we get to the end of the season. Yes. So let's move on now to a story that's not quite sports itself, but it's to the side of sports. It's involved, obviously it involves a sports team. If you haven't heard about um, the story of Jordan McNair, we'll recap some of the basics for you. On uh, May 29th, after a very tough workout, Jordan McNair, an offensive lineman for the Maryland football team, Uh, began having seizures. Eventually, an ambulance was called. He was airlifted to hospital where they they were never able to um, get him back, basically. And June 13th, after spending quite a bit of time in a coma, he passed away. Uh, Um, Yeah, this is a really difficult story to talk about. 100%. And I think the reason why we're talking about this is because it is something that should be talked about because it seems like in sport and I would say not unprofessional, like not professional sports, not unprofessional, but it seems like these stories kind of seem to keep popping up and I feel like we're going to, we're going to have a really deep conversation about this that maybe even leads to another extra little cast that where we talk to uh, uh, a trainer who deals with professional athletes to get really deep into this and how a strength coach should handle it but yeah we will uh, we're hoping to get an interview with Brad Damon he's a very well-known personal trainer works with a lot of professional athletes I would say a strength coach I think personal trainer would not be as okay sorry (laughs) uh, he, he deals with professional athletes on a regular basis he has dealt with Teams. I mean, I personally work with him uh, as he was our strength coach for our, you know, high school team. He helped us out like big, you know, taking less money to help us out for free. So, I mean, 
we're we're gonna make sure that we talk yeah. to someone. So who... we'll get kind of the trainer's perspective and how something like this would happen. Yes. Um, but for now, we're gonna just c- try to talk about kind of the the philosophy, how philosophy, this even came to be, why, how this happens. Yeah. And the the flo- I mean, we're gonna get down to kind of what led to this and a lot of factors that led up to it, and obviously then we'll save the the kind of a discussion about some of the other major issues to uh, another cast here. So make sure to tune in for that. So I do want to just, uh, just a few more facts that I think need to be mentioned. Uh, Rick Cord is the trainer kind of, that was running this workout. Uh, he has left the university, but they, he got a $315,000 settlement upon leaving. DJ Durkin, the head coach has uh, has been suspended. He's been placed on administrative leave with pay, but he has not been fired at this moment. Yes. The his McNair's first seizures began around five o'clock, but for some reason, nine one one wasn't called until five fifty eight. Um, the temperatures were never taken there at the moment. It wasn't until he got to the hospital that, or at least into the amp, the the helicopter that he started receiving really any kind of medical. Attention. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, with that alone, you, that's where once again, Brad's going to be a big help here. Is that a lot of these themes, these things seem uh, very weird. You know, like why would you not have called as soon as you saw a player having a seizure? I, I'm unaware of what staff that they have yeah. that is You can't imagine there would be a maliciousness to the, like that no. doesn't make any sense. But I feel like there was a negligence of a very high level here that led to a player uh, dying, worst case scenario, of course, it literally dying. And I so, think outside of the topics of the strength strength conditioning, I think those those are the biggest questions is how high did that negligence go? And who should pay the price? Exactly. And, I mean, you, I mean, it's kind of crazy that, I mean, of course, everyone is, you know, innocent until proven guilty that, I mean, Rick Court gets to step away and you give him $315,000. Some agreed upon settlement. settlement. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I just feel like maybe you should make sure that you do something in honor of uh, the, the man that, you know, gave his all for you, and yeah, the president of Maryland came out and gave a speech that was got a lot of good reviews because he, I think, the biggest point was that he accepted moral and legal responsibility yes. for his death. Um, so at first glance, my reaction was, okay, that's of course the like good, that's right the good thing, thing to do. But I, it just the more I thought about, it, the more I have questions. Why did this apology just come now? Why did he just talk to the parents? After the ESPN story broke. Yes. Now, okay. So, here are some facts that we need to know. So, this now story has come to light uh, recently. But this thing happened yeah. how long May 29th ago? May 29th was the workout where it happened. He passed away June 13th. Okay. So, now we're in August 19th. We're talking about... Yeah, I believe it's August 4th, 13th or 14th. 13th yeah. The story so, I mean, we're talking them saying something now recently in the last few days when you could have called and had a conversation but I mean obviously you have to get your legal things in order but if you really did feel that 
you were going to take legal responsibility, then it wouldn't... Like, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. You, sometimes you can't talk to the victim's family because... Because you couldn't do something to yourself or blah, 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 blah. But, like, the reality of what happened seems like you should have called and you should have said something. I heard an interesting thought. Uh, a law- I've heard it from a lawyer who, who suggested that the reason why they take, they're taking legal responsibility is because they don't want discovery to occur. Oh, okay. Um, and perhaps more would come out and this, it would become a bigger story if they went through a lawsuit where they had to give a whole bunch more information. Give the whole rundown of what they had and what had happened. Well, that's fair. And I feel be like... better for reputation to... <laughs> the reality of this, and I feel like the, there's no way they're getting away with, the, with anything. There's no way that this won't lead to something down the line because I feel like there's too many question marks and there's no way that parents are going to be happy with just an apology. Absolutely. And not just the parents who are, obviously the McNa- Jordan McNair's parents are yeah. the first parents you think of, but, but then the other parents of the players on the team, as well as if you had a star 17-year-old football player right now and DJ Durkin is the one that walks into your living room to try to convince you that I'm going to take care of your son. 100%. There's a huge amount of implications of this. So, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, once again, it's a crazy story that you can't even kind of comprehend. tough to get into kind of in this format, but the, the culture that was apparently promoted by DJ Durkin and what he wanted as what he believed would foster a championship attitude just sounds awful. It's just completely toxic environment, forcing players to work out until they couldn't handle it, forcing players to eat until they couldn't handle it as punishment. Mocking fatter players when they while they ate, or forcing them not to eat at all, oh. just mil- kind of that idiotic machismo sort of thing that I feel as a society we've kind of said this isn't what yeah, sport is. This isn't what being a man is. One hundred percent, and I mean that's that kind of mentality of like waters for the weak. You know what I mean? Like you need water yeah. to live, type of and thing. And I like remember it. like that was definitely a thing. The event that stands out from my childhood is the Corey Stringer death. Um, yes. My reminder, the offensive lineman for the Minnesota Vikings. Yes. I remember a very clear shift uh, when that happened. I was playing football, playing peewee. I can't remember the exact age I was, but I was playing football beforehand and after. Yes. And there was that uh, waters for the week was definitely something that oh, I heard beforehand. 100%. And then after Corey Stringer's death, it's like you have water machines on practice fields, or we've got hydration stations everywhere. If, uh, when they called water breaks, the coaches went from like saying you don't get water breaks to forcing the kids who were like, I don't water. need water. Yeah. But the coaches would now come over and force the kids to drink water. Yes, and I mean, that's, that's why this kind of story is crazy because, like, we're talking about a day and age where now a lot of programs in, in university, uh, are almost running like professionally. Like these kids are here from this time to this time, not a minute over. The this to this, not a minute over. The that to this, not a minute over. You know what I mean? And it, it seems crazy that you think that somehow starving players, force feeding players, uh, yeah, there's no mocking. logic to this working. Any and even if it did work, it, do we want to be the kind of society that says? Hurting people in this way is worth winning football games. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's crazy. And to think that, like, you think 
Nick Saban right now is doing any of this? Yeah, no, absolutely not. Absolutely um, not. So same, like, I heard a lot of comparisons to Bill Belichick's coaching style, and he they have an indoor facility, and while he does make them go outside in the cold and the heat sometimes, they use the indoor facility a lot, and no player is ever one hundred percent. So to that difference level. is is like climatizing people to the weather and pushing people till you know for, and just like, humiliating them for. The sake of humiliating them. Yeah, but things. like, and it, it's it's crazy. It's absolutely nuts to me, and I I don't know. Like, it, it just seems like this is crazy. I mean, we'll once again we'll get to the bottom of this, and uh, I I hope that yeah, this story definitely isn't over. Yeah, working once again currently still part of the school. Yes, I mean, um, well, I mean, innocent I until proven guilty. You can't. You know, they can't fire him without just cause, without taking a hit, so they kind of have to... He makes $2.5 million a year. I think he's got four years, three or four years left on yeah. his contract. Yeah, so, I mean, like, why take a hit, pay this man a bunch of millions of dollars when he really There's could no possibly way he not deserve from a from Maryland again. Oh, I, can't, no. I think at this point it's just a matter of how do we fire him that we pay him the line. I can't imagine he's yeah. back on the sidelines. 100%. So, I mean, we're going to have, once again, we're going to talk to Brad Damon about a whole, uh, like, a big amount of, like, what kind of responsibility of uh, of the athletic, you know, uh, the, the strength coaches, you know, the person who's running and pushing them and seeing this happen, and then kind of where uh, the responsibility would kind of lie in his mind and kind of, even with when he worked with me, kind of like we have a little bit to be like, you know, from the coach's side, like, we don't... We, from where we coach, we would never, ever overstep what Brad would say. You know what I mean? He would say, you know what? Like, you, someone would get hit, and they would go down, and we'd be like, well, that wasn't that bad. And Brad would be like, call an ambulance. We don't go, well, Brad, that wasn't that bad. You just go, cool, beep, boop, beep, ambulance. Yeah, and, and that's, at no point that's where he, the culture thing comes in. hundred percent. the sounds of it, that culture did not exist at all in Maryland. Any sort of deferment. To the play for the players' benefit did not exist. Not at all, and it, it and it seems crazy to me that you could even get to a point where like your strength coach would be like, "We should call an ambulance." Turn and look to the coach, and be like, "Should we call an ambulance?" Like th- that to me is nuts. Like you need to literally, like I can't imagine that. Like it literally should have been like. Beep, boop, beep, beep. Sorry, I'm calling an ambulance. Like, I, like this kid's having a Absolutely, seizure. Absolutely, yeah. If you're like, having a seizure on a like, hot well, like, field, I, I mean, even if you have a nurse there or whatnot, like, what medical abilities do you really have there that rival a hospital? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like, I assume Maryland's big program. Oh, I assume they have some sort of medical I'm sure training it's way better than any facility that... But, a lot of people sometimes have seen. you just need the equipment, yeah, of, um, and the expertise of a doctors, and you know what I mean to make sure that like maybe he needed intravenous water, maybe he just needed to be put in an ice bath. Like these are decisions that a doctor can make, and a, a, a strength coach and sideline nurse might not be able to administer. So why was that phone call not made as soon as the as soon as the seizure happens? Phone calls would be made any minute. Like, to think that there was a culture that would say, don't make a phone call. Yeah, just for, to be a man, like, we all, we've all heard this, to be a man. Yeah. Like, but if we, 
we're smarter than that as a society today. Yeah, you know, and it's like you have to think about the implications of not making the call in the sense of uh, right now another coach who's sitting suspended is uh, um, friggin' from Ohio State. Yeah, Marvin Meyer. Right? So, I mean, like, if you're going to, uh, like, you, you, he, you know what I mean? Like, you make the call. Like, there's a right thing to do. The head coach has to take right? some sort of you responsibility have to take for everything that happens. A hundred percent. And especially when they talk about this culture being so absolutely horridly toxic, you it, that starts at the top, right? That is head coach down. Absolutely, especially right. in college programs, they have such immense power. A hundred percent, and I, 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 to me, it seems literally astonishing that we can even you could get to that point. Like this happened, you know what I mean? Like, but I guess, however, it was ran. He managed to make it a a cult like thing where you harass and you starve and you force feed players. I, yeah, there's no good. There's no good excuses for why it happened. And I almost think that should be enough in itself to fire the man and not pay him. Yeah, right. I have to hope that it... I, I have to imagine it's for some legal reason. Yeah, I'm sure We're just well. waiting for some behind-the-scenes machinations of lawyers because it makes absolutely no sense for this man to coach football again. Yes, 100%. And once again, stay tuned. We're, we will have a thing with a trainer deals with pros, who's dealt with... Different perspective, more a more knowledgeable perspective than we're able to. Exactly. To understand kind of how a trigger will be pulled at, at a professional level, at a university level, or at a, you know, even a high school to peewee to bantam to, you know, tykes to anything, you know, so... So there's no good way to move on from here, but we're going to finish off with just a few uh, catch-all stories yeah. that we found. A um, couple bits of NHL news. Andre Sekarov from the Edmonton Oilers tore his Achilles. That's uh, a that's a tough loss. I mean, he was he's a guy who kind of found himself. Like he was a guy who was kind of just a. When he's been healthy, he seems to be a pretty good defenseman. Yeah. So I mean, and they got a lot out of him, and they, it was a nice gem for them to lose that, especially after last year. Is heartbreaking. Yeah, like during their playoff season two years ago, he was their number one guy, played yeah. really well. Uh, obviously, the entire team basically took a slip last year. Yeah, so and I mean, everyone took a step back, but it, it's still kind of that kind of is like another little dagger, like sh- pushed in just a little inch deeper. It's gonna be the Connor McDavid show and nothing yeah, else, and pretty much at this point. So, um, what's the other one? Ryan Ellis, I believe. Yes, he signed an eight-year, $50 million contract, 6.25 a year. I mean, he's getting paid, what, $6 million a year? I yeah, $6.25 million a year for one of the better defensemen in the league. Uh, that seems a little cheap. I would uh, I would uh, think that you have a fair amount to say about that. Yeah, I was shocked by that. I really like Ryan Ellis as a defenseman. He's... To me, he's almost—he's not quite PK Subban. Like, I'm not going to suggest he's as good as PK Subban, but yeah. he's on that level. You can pair him with PK Subban, and he's—he's he's up there. He's making for so only six point two five million dollars. I think that's a great deal, and it's not like he was making a lot of money and now he's taking his hometown discount. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's has one year left on his five-year twelve point five million dollar contract. 
That's absurdly underpaid. <laughs> yeah, and that's fair. I mean, it's he's not taking that big year. So I mean, a uh, I feel like sometimes you gotta, I guess, wonder because it's like you should you know get your money, but some people do it just like us for the love, and maybe that's why he wanted to stay at home. He it's wanted a to make sure team. It's by far the best defense of core in the league. hundred percent. And you got to think that he probably wanted to keep it together and make sure that maybe they could find maybe a piece or two if he took a little bit less money. Kind of like a Tom Brady type contract where he has a Absolutely. dirty amount of money already. Which is the difference here is that Ellis didn't get that dirty amount of money and he isn't married yeah, to someone. Yeah, and his wife who, doesn't make a lot more money than he does, which is pretty so, like, Yeah, let's be completely honest. Is Giselle makes all the money there, so it's like. Where, like, you're talking, like, a guy who's making this much money and taking a pay cut? It's crazy. I mean, it's still absurd amounts of money, and, and I'm not arguing that. But it's, 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 you think he would take that big contract. So, very weird there. But, I mean, good on him, and hopefully that team can yeah, take that extra money. The Predators will be right at the top of the list of the favorites to win the Stanley Cup next 100%. year. 100%. And it is because of guys like Ryan. Absolutely. Yeah, Ryan Ellis, great. A uh, couple bits of cycling news. Uh, Tony Martin has moved to Lotto Jumbo. Um, obviously, Tony Martin isn't what he used to be. It's a former four-time world time trial champion. But he is still an extremely strong rider. Very few riders in the peloton have the motor that he does. Yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, he is a little older, but it's, it's moves like this. You need those pieces. Yeah, and you can see how he fits so well when you consider they have um, uh, Steven Kreisweik and Primoz Roglic, and these guys are kind of right in their prime of their career. Yeah. you got a guy like Tony Martin who can help. Like a great um, utility. Obviously, mostly in the team time trial. Yeah. To put one of the, the most incredible engines we've ever seen on your team time trial. Yeah. It's great. But also they have Dylan Grunewagen. And for people who remember uh, Tony Martin's role in Mark Cavendish's HTC High Road teams, like there was no better lead-out train than those teams, and Tony Martin was a key part of it. And now he joins Dylan Grunewagen's lead-out team. So, I mean, hopefully, I mean, they get everything they want out of him, and he kind of plays to that. He keeps, you know, cycling to that level. You know, yeah. to get them that, that, that piece that allows And those them. kind of riders, the Fabian Cancellara types... The big powerful motor, they tend to not fade off as much. They, yeah, exactly. It's They're, not like the sprinters or the p- pure climbers which fade out. Yeah, it's it's kind of like it is. A, it's a different type of athleticism that isn't kind of like while well, you're young, your legs are fresh. Yeah, it's more you have the muscle memory built up over years. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a great signing for Lotto. Okay. Next one, Adam Yates to go yes. support his brother in Volta. Yeah, a bit of Volta news. Um, Adam Yates and Thibaut Pinot have both committed to go to the Volta. Yeah. Uh, Adam Yates is going there, just fresh off the a disappointing uh, run at the tour, is going yeah. to support his brother Simon, who had a really good 19 days of this year's Giro. Looked like he was going to win it, but then faded off. He's obviously, Simon Yates, that is, is fresher than most of the other big contenders who were in the tour, and I think... Might be the favorite okay. for the Volta, so to have his brother, a talented climber, to help him, big deal. Uh, Thibaut Pinot is one of those more tired riders. He was at the um, he was at the tour. He's got a lot of legs of riding, yeah. But uh, I believe he's planning to race for the victory. We shall see. The Volta tends to fit uh, Thibaut Pinot's style a bit more. Yeah. 
a lot more uphill, a lot more uphill finishes, less downhill finishes, which are which is Thibaut Pino's Achilles heel. Yeah. So it is kind of his. If he's going to win a Grand Tour, I would predict it would be the Vuelta. But I'm not sure after such a tough season, a lot of racing in the legs for Thibaut Pino. I'm not sure he actually has it to win. But always good to see more and more people in the Vuelta. It always makes for a more exciting race. Okay. Let's finish up, um, much like we did last week, with a fun sideline sports story. Yes. Let's finish up with Jalen Ramsey's interview in GQ. <laughs> he had some strong words to say about a few players, to say the least. Pretty much every, <laughs> every quarterback in the NFL, I think he had Basically, his opinion on it. I feel, the one thing that I caught was about Allen uh, getting drafted by uh, Buffalo that I laughed out loud like he's like he's garbage never gonna play i don't know why they draft him they should <laughs> never draft him and i was just laughing like these this is a this is my favorite type of defensive player especially a corner the big loud mouth and the top guy that there's, that there's no player that's more fun though jalen ramsey might be my favorite player in the league right now right now yeah probably mine as well jaguars i know they were a defensive team last year but they were so fun to watch play and jalen ramsey just Ben Roethlisberger, decent at le- at, at best. <laughs> you know, Miami's quarterback. Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> Matt Ryan, I believe. Who's Matt Ryan? Who's, who's Atlanta's quarterback? Oh yeah, Matt. He's overrated. <laughs> <laughs> like he had words to say about literally every quarterback. Dak Prescott is just okay. <laughs> like these are great. He did have a few nice words to say about. Uh, he thinks Kirk Cousins a winner. Uh, he thinks Drew Brees is really good, even at this age. Um, he thinks uh, Mar- Marcus Mariota, he had some kind words to say about Marcus Mariota, great quarterback for the team. I'm not yeah. sure we've seen that yet, but he's seen him play it a lot. Yeah, you, so, you would think that he would know something there, especially. Spoke highly about uh, Tom Brady and uh, both Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Didn't take an idiot to do that. So he, he's got some... Basic sense, like yeah. he's not just trashing the trash, but he's just being brutally honest. Yes, and it, as a corner, I feel like you have to have that confidence. It's kind of like the Muhammad Ali type mentality. You have to, I'm the best there ever been. I'm the best there ever was. You know what I mean? Like you gotta come in there. And now he really does have to back that up. And I, he oh, does he's have putting the, the spotlight right on his right, right on himself. Absolutely. I mean, my guess is the quarterback is gonna throw the ball towards them. Probably less than they did last year, so I'm pretty sure he'll have I less of a terrified chance. Of him if I had to throw a ball. Exactly. So my guess is going to see less balls than he did last year. So he has to prove it with every single one of those balls that come his way. I mean, he's one of those players that are just kind of lightning in a bottle. And I was so mad when the Ravens didn't get him. They tried to make a move. Uh, it seemed like they were making a move maybe to get Zeke, but it's like Jalen Ramsey was the perfect pick. Their their core. Their DB core was kind of just in the perfect spot for it, and I wish it would have got him because this is exactly what I wanted. Like that mean, you know. They start the season off against the New York Giants, Odell Beckham. Yeah. You got the, I'm trying to look through the list of some of the teams. You got the Texans, oh, yeah. uh, DeAndre Hopkins. That could be a great match. I mean, and the quarterback there. Steelers, Antonio Brown. Can't wait for that. Oh man, he's a fun team to watch. There's going to be some challenges, and he's going to have to show through because those are two of the best wide receivers, three of the best wide receivers in the league, probably one, two, and three. However, you want to put them in order, 
and you know Julio Jones in yeah, there. Yeah, I don't well. see one, two, three, on four. this list, which is the only one missing. Yeah, and I if if Julio even is in Atlanta, yes, woo, still might not play down. All right, good, good episode. Some up, some down, yeah. and some good fun stories. And uh, you know, once again, love doing it, and we're glad that you guys listen. You know, even if there's probably single digit of you guys just out there listening to us <laughs> awesome thanks guys once again it's awesome check us out on social media we're going to be trying to make a bigger push to make some twitter stuff so check out our twitters we're going to be trying to make some moves there so yeah at for the love pod is the podcast one if you want to get a hold of us if you got any questions events that you think we should uh, we should be talking about yeah and you know i will put our personal pods in there as well and once again thanks again for listening and you know we do it for the love of it